I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now. And we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of Real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown with me, Ewan McTeer, as your host. And with this episode, we broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. This is a recap episode for Match Day 31, the midweek round that we had in La Liga over Wednesday and Thursday. Of course, so much of the talk this week has been about the Super League and about the three Spanish teams involved in it. But we're not talking about them at first because there's always so many more storylines to La Liga than that. And this week, one of those storylines is the incredible form of Osasuna. They're in their best run of form since 2012. They've not lost any of their past six. They've won their past three. And their most recent win was a commanding 3-1 victory over Valencia. So let's start this episode off by giving Osasuna the credit they deserve. We'll do so by bringing in Osasuna fan Ignasi Tornay. Now, Ignasi, Osasuna were in the relegation zone for basically the whole of December. Now they're into the top half. How has this turnaround happened? I personally think that the key point for Osasuna this season was to maintain and to still believe in Jagoba Arrasate um, project because I think it was 10 games in a row that Osasuna didn't win between the last victory at home over Athletic Club in the club centenary. That day was fantastic, even for the fans. But um, 10 games in a row, especially when you are Osasuna, that it was hard moments, but all of us, the supporters, uh, we believe in Yagoba and we thought that uh, it was something, uh, a matter of time. I mean, uh, the team was not playing really bad. The team was in good conditions. You could see how good players and young players like um, Jon Moncayola, they were playing and, and, and facing difficult games. But uh, the Osasuna didn't score goals. So when you don't score goals and they score more goals than you, and this is not good. So uh, it was a, a matter of time in the sense that uh, the results were not the, the, the expected ones when you saw Osasuna play, playing. So for you, it's all about Arasati, right? Tell us then just how much you Osasuna fans love him. So we can consider that uh, Osasuna's board best decision this season 
so far by far was to keep Jagoba in in the job and not sack Arrasate because um, if something we can recognize and we can define Osasuna's team in one word, it's like a, a family. So we understand that Jagoba is the father of this family. With Jagoba, Osasuna played very good in second division and we all know how hard is second division in Spain. Last season was fantastic, brilliant, even without Chimi Avila. And this season with no public, with no fans at the stadium, with the new stadium under construction and uh, centenary year, remember that a team like Osasuna can celebrate it with fans, it's difficult. So uh, to keep Yagoba and still believe in, in Arrasate's project was the key. You mentioned that last season finished without Jimmy Avila. This season started without him too, of course, and he's only just returned, only just been eased back into things. What have Osasuna fans made of his return? Oh yes, definitely. Osasuna fans were wiling to see Jimmy Avila's back in action, back with the team. Uh, despite that, the two strikers, um, Budimir and Cagliari, have been doing an amazing job and they are fantastic. They are on the initial 11 for sure, 100% sure. And they start understanding each other, playing together. I think they they, they are very good, both strikers for, for Osasuna. Um, Osasuna is a team that um, they really like strikers like Argentinian, Uruguayans and from the Balkans. Um, for the character of the team, and basically because of the fans and, and, and this Navarre spirit, we can talk about it. So, Chimi, it's, uh, we have all seen the, the photos and the backstage, the behind the scenes of Chimi's recuperation from the injury. And to see Chimi back, it's, it's great. It's great because um, he understands completely the how Yagoba wants to play and um, his first uh, performance with more than 10 minutes uh, was just to run 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 press press push and he got the ball and just run away um, it's Chimi Zabila's way so we have to keep calm and Chimi deserves um, time and totally our confidence um, to still believe in teams that can be a great active and a great player for, for Osasuna. Osasuna were one of the teams to protest against the Super League during this midweek round. How exactly did they protest? The fans, uh, of course, on, on social in these kind of things, um, they were showing the support to the team because uh, Osasuna is a sports team. The club belongs to the fans. So this is a different scenario from the rest of the Spanish teams. Of course, apart from Real Madrid and Barcelona, but with Athletic Club from Bilbao. So as they were playing on Wednesday at 7 p.m. against Valencia, that Valencia is an important big team that maybe has considered that they could be competing in that Super League, maybe, that's my opinion. So they were showing vindictive t-shirts like, um, it's fair, you have to win it, 
um, promoted um, by the both clubs and yeah um, that's the, the the manifest and the belief from all Osasuna fans Okay, thanks Ignasi we're going to move on now to our sore throat game of the week segment it's a section in each episode where we discuss a game that had some wild and wacky commentary and lots of drama Alan Feely is going to bring us then the sounds of Alaves's 2-1 victory over Villarreal. Take it away, Alan. Alaves pulled off what could prove to be an absolutely pivotal 2-1 victory over Europa League semi-finalist Villarreal at Estadio Mendes Rosa on Wednesday evening in La Liga. The Basque side had been flying ever since Habi Kaleha took over, and their coach had extra motivation ahead of this midweek game, giving Villarreal where his last club. Born in Alcala de Henares, he represented Villarreal as a player and worked there as a coach from 2012 until 2020, when he made way for Una Emery despite having led the Yellow Submarine to the Europa League and a 5th place finish. What's more, the game was crucial for both the relegation battle and the race to qualify for the Europa League in La Liga. Alves opened the scoring in the 17th minute. The ball was floated high to the back post, finding Jota, who played it across the face of goal to Tiab Joselu, who finished with a smart header. It was a fine goal, well celebrated by the Cope commentators. Paco Alcazar gave Villarreal level five minutes into the second half. Gerard Moreno, on fire and possibly the most informed player in Spain right now, Split the defence with a sublime through ball for Alcacer, who finished superbly from a tall angle, a moment depicted superbly by the movie star commentators. The winner came 10 minutes from time. Jozulu turned provider, playing in a ball from the far right side of the pitch for Edgar Mendes, who met the cross well to score and secure a crucial three points, causing commotion on the Cope airwaves. Alaves are now 16th, with two wins in the bounce and without a defeat in three. They are three points clear of Hitueska and the relegation zone, and just one behind 15th place Getafe. Villarreal are 7th, seven points clear of 8th place Granada, level with 6th place Real Betis, and one behind 5th place Real Sociedad. They've won 3 of the last 5 in La Liga. Underlining just how impressive Alaves' result is. They'll face Arsenal in the upcoming Europa League semi-final, a game where Emery will hope to repeat Kaleja's trick by getting one over in his old club. As for Kaleja himself, he'd love to keep the ratchet going and finish the season with strength and help Alaves stay in the La Liga. Thanks for that, Alan. That brings us to the end of part one. 
In part two, it's time to talk about the title race. That's coming up in just a few ticks. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. It's our recap of the midweek round that we've just had across Wednesday and Thursday. Of course, so much of the talk was about the Super League. On the pitch, all three of the Spanish teams who signed up for it did go out there and win. Something that's actually only happened nine times this season. Yeah, out of 31 completed match days, only nine times have all of Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico won in the same round. It happened this time around and Sevilla won too. We talked about their title chances and how they're serious and legit in the last podcast and they went out and won again, this time 1-0 at Levante. That made it three away wins in a row for Sevilla, which is quite something. League leaders Atletico Madrid, meanwhile, they had a winnable game at home to Huesca and they did win. Angel Correa and Yannick Carrasco got the goals to make it 2-0. It wasn't too easy though, so let's discuss it now with Atleti fan Sam Leverage. What did you make of that one? It wasn't... All that comfortable, was it? It could have been a lot more difficult. I mean, Huesca had that really early chance um, with Siovas, and Oblak reacted really quickly to get in and stop it, and real reaction save there. If that had gone in, it would have been a very different game indeed. Atleti have been up and down, I think lately they've been struggling, but now they do seem to have their mojo back. I mean, even in this game, apart from that chance, they never looked uncomfortable they never looked quite as clinical quite as prolific as they did against Ibar but they never looked like they were out of control of the game I think it was very similar in a way to to 2013-14 back when Atleti won the league and they went on a bad patch they lost to Almeria or Sasuna teams like that and then they started to pick up a few 1-0 2-0 wins and Ibar was nothing like that at all but I think Huesca was very much one of those 
we'll get the job done. We're not going to go all out blazing 6-0 wins, but we are going to pick up the three points and do just what we need to do. And that's all Cholo Simeone is going to be asking for, and they're doing the job fantastically. It helps when Marcus Juventi is in such good form. He got both the assists in this game. So is he Atletico Madrid's most important player right now? Let me put it this way. Marcus Llorente isn't Atleti's most important player this season. He's La Liga's most important player this season. Sure, you can say that Lionel Messi is a better player or he's had more influence for Barcelona. But without Marcus Llorente, Atletico simply don't have a title challenge. He's had 21 goal involvements and he's been playing at right back for quite a big chunk of the season. He's played literally in every position on the pitch almost. I think the only place I can't think of having seen him play is in goal, centre-back and left-back. I mean, this is a guy who's played all over the park, done whatever Cholo Simeone's told him to, and he's done a really good job. He's completely transformed Atletico Madrid, and you just can't find anyone who's been more important to their team, more consistent, more reliable, avoided any major injuries, anything like that. And when Atletico most needs somebody to step up, that's what he does. And these past two games, five goals he's been involved in in the last three days. That's just what Cholo Simeone needed without Luis Suarez, without Jao Felix. And Llorente stepped up. I mean, if Atletico do win the league, you have to be looking at Llorente as the player of the season. And if it weren't for the failure in Europe, would he be in Ballon d'Or contention? Maybe that's pushing it a bit, but he has been incredible all season. Another player who I thought stood out was Renan Lodi. Was this one of his better games in an Atleti shirt? Yeah, Renan Lodi is a roller coaster player. He's either right at the top or right at the bottom in terms of his performances. And I think lately, since he's come back into the team with this four four two playing in a left back role, which is more his more natural role, it suited him and Atleti are getting the best out of him. And against Huesca as well, it suited him. He wasn't going to have to do too much defending. He could get forward. He could bomb down the wing and get some crosses in. And I think he did a really good job. But it's not just Renan Lodi. I think the last few weeks we've seen a few players come in. Angel Correa, Saul, they've all come in and not had great seasons so far, but stepped up just when Cholo Simeone has needed them, when they've had injuries and, and key players out. They're the guys who've come in and stepped up. And that's exactly what Aleti needed after that kind of rut in their form. Despite this good result, there's a strange atmosphere around Atleti right now because of the fact they signed up for the Super League, even if they've now removed themselves from it. Uh, that's still lingering there. So you're a member, Sam, you're a club member. The club sent you an apology, didn't they? Is the apology accepted, do you think, for most Atleti fans? Yeah, so I think you have to look at it in the context. And Atletico Madrid are probably the only club to be involved in the Super League in Spain whose fans have been against the whole idea. Um, fan protests were planned and... And even before that, the the leaders, Miguel Angel Gilmarina and Enrique Cerezo, weren't popular figures because of the change from the Calderon to the Wanda, because of the change of the club's crest, because of the whole history with Jesus Hill. They're not popular figures. But the Super League communications were just bizarre from Atletico Madrid. On Sunday night, it was confirmed they were going to be part of it. On Monday, a statement went out on the club's website, but no social media, no emails. On Tuesday, they emailed members telling them that they were going to be charged their membership fees for next year. So already frustrated and angry fans, maybe that wasn't the right time to do that. Then on Wednesday, there was an apology from, from Hilmarin sent out by email. And it was a very personal one saying that he didn't want to do it in the media. He didn't want to do it on the website. He wanted to send a personal email to the club's socios 
to send a direct message to explain their thinking, which was that they felt that Atletico have won their place as one of the biggest clubs in Europe in recent years, and they could not be part of this group. That If they weren't, they would be left behind. But I think Atletico Madrid fans almost in a way would be quite happy to be left behind. Look back at the derby a few years ago where the fans built out a display which said, Orgulloso de no ser como vosotros. Proud not to be like you. Atletico Madrid aren't like Real Madrid. Their values are totally different. And they don't want to be like Real Madrid. And I think this is kind of a battle at the very heart of Atletico Madrid in recent times. Is there a club that are moving more towards being a modern super club and one of the European elite? But their values and their fans don't necessarily want that. They want to keep hold of the traditions, the the roots, the values that have built their club's history. And I think Gilmarín and Cerezo are very keen to move away from that. The fans aren't, and there's a lot of conflict there. So this is very much kind of a, a tipping point almost for a lot of Atletico fans, and they are the only ones in Spain who haven't been happy about it. So I think it'll be interesting to see how long Atletico fans remain angry about this. But they're certainly not happy, and I really don't think they're convinced by the apology that they got from Miguel Ángel Gilmarín either. Really interesting stuff. Thank you, Sam. Let's move on now and talk about the title race some more. About the two remaining Super League clubs, I guess. Barcelona played in the final match of the round at home to Hitafi and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm saying a Hitafi game was fun. It was 5-2 to Barcelona in the end. Messi getting a couple, looking really sharp. There were a couple of weird own goals in there too. There was Ronald Koeman getting very and quite unexplainably angry with Oscar Mingueza. Hitafi also didn't get a single yellow card in this game, the first time that's happened this season. It was an odd one, but what matters is that Barcelona took the three points to keep pace with Atleti at the top. Real Madrid did so too with a free goal win of their own over Cadiz, and all their goals in their 3-0 victory came in a quick burst at the end of the first half. Vinicius won a penalty that Benzema converted, Benzema then set up Alvaro Odriozola for a rare goal, and then Benzema got another for himself. The result was never really in doubt, but there were actually quite a few interesting quirks to this Real Madrid game, such as the fact that they had five Brazilians in the starting lineup for the first time in 15 years. Let's discuss this game a little more now with Kian Savani of the Manager Madrid website. So Kian, Real Madrid get a comfortable win, some players have some feel-good performances, they were even able to take a bit of a breather in the second half. Was this a perfect midweek night for Real Madrid? I, I don't think it could have gone any better, to be quite honest. The scoreline was perfect. It's an away trip to Cadiz, who are a pretty good defensive team, or at least are organized, and they obviously beat Real Madrid earlier this season. You got a really good performance from Benzema, but also from Rodrigo, and Vinicius also contributed. And they also got debuts, like a starting debut for Antonio Blanco. Miguel Gutierrez got on the field, so they got the kids involved. It was, it was a great or at least a good performance that, um, you know, these, these these games just add up. You have to win these games to win the title. So it was a good performance. You mentioned some of the debuts there. About Antonio Blanco specifically, what did you think of him? Because after getting a few minutes against Taffy, he started this time. I really like Blanco in this game. And I think this was like the ideal Blanco game. Like for him to start any game in La Liga, this might have been the ideal one because Cadiz basically gave Real Madrid's midfield a lot of room to operate. They they were playing deep in a deeper block. 
they didn't try to stifle Real Madrid's build-up, and therefore Antonio Blanco and Casemiro and everyone coming out of the back had a lot of passing options. And Antonio Blanco, his passing was really good in this game. And, um, you know, there are traits of Raul's kind of blueprint instilled into him where with Castilla, he plays in a double pivot, which he did with Casemiro in this game. He gets the ball. He wins the ball in midfield. He distributes out, out wide really quick. He doesn't overcomplicate things. He's very, he plays vertical. He plays simple. And uh, he's very quick and decisive. So I, I liked his performance. I thought he showed all of those traits today. And I thought he meshed well with Casemiro. One of the other feel-good factors, I guess, from this game was that Odrizola scored. You tweeted at the time that he needed this goal. What did you mean by that? It's just like he hasn't... We haven't seen the Real Sociedad version of Odrizola, um, well, possibly since Real Sociedad. I, I'm trying to jog back my memory. That's a very difficult thing to do on the spot right now. But um, he hasn't been confident for a long time. If you go back to his performance in Mallorca last season, I think it was, where he looked dejected after his red card. He hasn't really been the same since, and he just hasn't had the confidence. So that goal seemed to give him some confidence. He played with a little bit of a bounce after that. He looked confident on the ball. So, you know, given the fact that he's going to play important minutes for the re remainder of the season, I mean, Fede Valverde is out with COVID right now and he's a makeshift right back and Danny Carvajal is just returning so they're going to want to ease him into it and he's not going to play every game so the fact that Odrizola had a little bit of a confidence booster here is is huge for the team Thanks Kian. So it really was a good night for Real Madrid and it was a good midweek round for all the title challengers the fact that they all won means the table is as follows Atletico first on 73 points Real Madrid second on 70 Barcelona 3rd on 68 and Sevilla 4th on 67. Barcelona though do have a game in hand compared to the other three. It's going to be interesting for sure over these final few weeks. Moving on now to some of the other results of the match day. Granada put another nail in Ibar's coffin on Thursday night with a 4-1 victory that now leaves Ibar 5 points adrift. I mean, Ibar aren't out of it yet. But they've not won any of their past 15 matches in La Liga, so it's not exactly like they're showing signs that they'll go on a run. This might be when the Iber Primera story comes to an end, although we've learned never to rule them out. There was a lot of fun in the first half of Real Sociedad versus Celta Vigo, as La Real overcame a Hugo Mayo goal to take a 2-1 lead into halftime thanks to Porto and Adnan Janazai. That remained the full-time score and that puts Real Sociedad back on track because... Although they'd recently won the cup, their league form hadn't been good. They needed this. Then, in the Elche and Real Valladolid's relegation six-pointer, it became a two-pointer, one point each. They drew 1-1. Elche had led, thanks to a Fidel goal, but then Emiliano Rigioni had a terrible minute. He missed a one-on-one -on -one chance at one end and then headed a Real Valladolid corner right onto Lucas Laza's head for the equaliser just a few seconds later. So that finished 1-1 to mean that the teams tangled up inside the relegation zone right now are Iber, Elche and Huesca. There's just one more game for us to discuss and even though it was the only nil-nil of the round, it's one of the games that interested me the most. It's Real Betis and Athletic Club's goalless draw and we'll bring in Real Betis fan and commentator David Whitworth now. So this game's main talking point came in the 10th minute when Navio Fakir was sent off for a very clear red card. But Betis kept playing well even with a man less for 80 minutes. So David, how impressed were you with your side response to that setback? 
Well, it's testament to the players, to the management staff. The Betis have worked incredibly hard over these last few months to bring more rigidity, more solidity to the team, much more organised with the performance against Athletic Club that for the majority of the game playing with 10 men and actually impressing and not just having men behind the ball but actually thinking their way through the match and creating various opportunities like uh, the chance with Lineth um, and in some ways were the better team um, even with the 10 men. This is the same team more or less that back in November Betis lost 4-0 to Athletic Club in San Mames. Should have been by more goals as well. Very porous defence back then. So Betis have come a long way. Since the start of 2021, Pellegrini has the team playing with a new air of confidence. What has he changed over the course of the season? Tactical changes. Players getting used to the system without thinking. It's more natural. Certainly the solidity in the defence. Uh, Mandy playing outstandingly well. Victor Ruiz as well. Boca Iglesias coming back to form with, with goals. Uh, Juan Milanda at left-back bringing more tactical nows than Alex Moreno. Joaquin adding his uh, special salt of, of, uh, of um, great experience on the team as well. Those are the main reasons why we're seeing uh, much improved and mentally stronger, much more mentally stronger, Betis over the times where before, if, if the club would have, if the team would have conceded a goal, they would have gone down. Certainly in a game against Bilbao, um, that would have been a, a defeat for sure um, just a few months ago. But it's credit to the team and credit mostly to the manager. The manager is absolutely key to this progression. It is four draws in a row though, but are the sensations still positive? Well, it is a little bit of a blip, these four draws in a row, but if you break them down, let's go chronologically. The, the game against Elche, that was two points dropped. Betis played very bad in that game. I remember thinking after 60 minutes I'd take a draw because I could see that just there was nothing from that game. The game with Atletico Madrid was definitely a point gained. Even though Betis dominated the last... 20-25 minutes, Atletico were always dangerous in that match, even right at the end with Bravo making two great saves. That was definitely a point game. The Valencia game was an up-and-down match. Could have easily won that game, could have easily lost that game. So I'd have definitely, again, taken the point. So these four draws, we will only know at the end of the season, but looking at them, three of the four were positive. And... Um, the league goes on. It's going to be a very, very entertaining last stretch of the season. Looking ahead now, Fakir is obviously missing for the Real Madrid match this weekend with suspension. Just how much do Betis lose when he's not in the side? Well, Fakir is our maverick. He's the jewel in the crown. Sometimes he's not on his game, but when he is, he's hooked up and he's a quality player. He's a World Cup winner. Of course, he's uh, one of our main players and he's going to be sorely missed because he's one of those players that really rises to the big occasions. He really loves a big, big match. So it's going to be a big miss for, for Betis. There's quite a few uh, uh, walking wounded 
in the squad as well. So there's going to be a lot of refreshing from, from Manuel Pellegrini's team. But we've got a very good track record against Real Madrid away from home. Obviously not in the Bernabeu uh, this uh, this season. But um, Betis rise to the occasion against the big clubs. Real Madrid obviously chasing the Champions League playing against Chelsea midweek uh, in the semi-final. So they've got their eyes on that as well. So we go to win. That's the mentality uh, from Manuel Pellegrini. Um, aim for the win. Doesn't matter where. The philosophy, the formation 4-2-3-1 will still remain the same. It doesn't matter the personnel really at the moment because every single player that's coming on is participating. And I think it's a great headache for a manager that you've got a squad of 24-25 players who are actively hungry, motivated and ready to perform. Even from the bench as well. Nobody's sulking. Nobody's taking anything negative. They're just going to come on and make an appearance. Because you look at the stats and Betis have scored a lot of goals and, and changed games from players coming from the bench as well. Which shows that there's a great hunger and a teammate ethos that we're there for the greater good. We're there for the collective. And obviously it's going to be a very difficult game. But it's one that Betis, in the right frame of mind, with all the things going for us, it's one that can be won. Okay, thanks, David. That Real Madrid versus Real Betis game will be a lot of fun, and of course, we'll be all over it on our La Liga Lowdown Twitter account. There's also a nice piece on LaLigaLowdown.com about what Pellegrini has done at the club and how he's engineering a return to glory, so do check that out too. For now, I just want to thank all the contributors to this episode. That's Ignacy Tornay, Alan Feely, Sam Leverage, Kian Savani, and David Whitworth. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and thanks for listening. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.